Welcome to Near and Far, the World Catholicism Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Buddy, Senior Research Scholar in the Center for World Catholicism and Intercultural Theology in Chicago. Think about just a few of the ideas and images that come to mind when one hears the word Haiti. What surfaces likely says a great deal about what part of the world you inhabit, your position in the structures of race and capitalism, and the sort of education you have had. For some people, it's the negative associations that surface first, second, and last. Unrelieved poverty, devastating earthquakes followed by brutalizing hurricanes, street violence and state violence, and much more. For other people, however, Haiti remains a symbol of the human spirit at its finest. The only country to overthrow slavery by way of a revolution, triumphing over the French colonial authorities and their settler slave masters, Haiti and its people live a history of endurance, resilience, and resistance through more than 200 years of suffering and struggle. In many respects, the story of Haiti's trials and challenges remain rooted in past exploitation. As punishment for having evicted French slave owners, the governments of France and the United States imposed reparations on the new government, in effect compensating the slave owners for the loss of their property, emancipated men, women, and children. These reparations took 122 years to pay off, not ending until the late 1940s, and stand as one of the long-term causes of current concerns like poverty, political corruption, landlessness, and more. The total came to the equivalent of $21 billion in today's terms. In addition, the United States occupied Haiti for 19 years in the early 20th century, transferring all gold from its national treasury to New York City, invaded the country at least 10 other times, supported the brutal Duvalier family of dictators, twice engineered the overthrow of elected President Jean-Bertrand Aristide, and continues to intervene economically, politically, and militarily in the country. What comes to mind when one hears the word Haiti, in other words, is a complex matter. For Yasmin Kajust, Haiti means home, and home is where Yasmin lives and works, and both finds and generates hope among the men, women, and children of Haiti. Her work in Haiti has ranged from providing important types of teacher training, hot meals for children in 17 schools, and projects among families aimed at addressing the consequences and causes of poverty. And Yasmin's work does not stop at the Haitian border. She is an important leader in transnational networks that combine direct service with structural analysis and strategies. At present, Yasmin is in charge of project development for an interesting initiative called the FAMVIN Homeless Alliance which works on six continents to end and reduce homelessness through immediate and long-term efforts. A graduate of DePaul University's program in educational leadership, she returned to her alma mater to speak on poverty, Vincentian responses around the world, sponsored by the Center for World Catholicism and Intercultural Theology. She joins me today to discuss Vincentian initiatives worldwide aimed at homelessness, her work in Haiti and elsewhere, and what people should know about matters of injustice and Christian love. Yasmin, welcome to Near and Far. Thank you very much, Mike, for having me. The work you do seems inseparable from who you are. God, tell us, if you will, a bit about your life story and how you came to be so deeply committed to the service of the poor. My story starts in Congo, something many people don't know. I was born in Congo um, from Haitian parents. My mother got very sick, so we came back to Haiti where she died, and I grew up in Haiti lived in Haiti until 2003. At that time, I was already engaged with the Vincentian Mayan Youth, uh, the association of the Vincentian family. Um, I was a 
national leader in this association, and they needed a French-speaking volunteer in Spain. So I went to Spain, where I was supposed to stay three years, ended up staying almost nine years. Became the international president of that association for 10 years. And while I was in that position, through the help of a, a very kind soul who's working still at the Paul uh, university, I got a scholarship to do my master in educational leadership. Came to DePaul, had a wonderful experience of the Vincentian charism in a very different way from what my experience had been before. Went back to Haiti to work on an education program. Met my husband, got married, left Haiti two years later because he was doing his master in business um, in, in Boston. Our son was born there. We came back to Haiti together since um, this January 2017. And since then, I've been working, um, studying in April 2017 with the Family Homeless Alliance, which is an international project of the Vincentian family. You are obviously unusually well positioned to be able to describe Vincentianism or the Vincentian charism, uh, having seen it in so many different parts of the world and with so many different expressions. Can, for people that are not familiar with it, can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Well, when I think of the Vincentian Charism, I think of a movement more than of an organization. A movement because um, at DePaul University, but also in the different countries where I've been, I've seen many people from different backgrounds, experiences, life walks, who identify with the Vincentian charism. And when they say that they are Vincentians, they refer to the experience of Vincent de Paul at his time, opening his eyes to reality, acknowledging that there was misery that needed to be addressed, recognizing the face of Christ in the poor, and being walking with the poor in order to address those poverties. So that's what I see as a Vincentian charism a, a movement that is old, we've had 400 years of the charism, that is still very new and very meaningful uh, today. Now, for people unfamiliar with the structure of the efforts that go under this heading, um, could you search, situate them for us? There are the Vincentian Fathers, um, but they, they're not alone by any means in all of this. Not at all. Um, the Vincentian movement currently um, encompasses probably 100, more than 150 different lay organization, congregation, um, institute of apostolic life that recognize in St. Vincent their inspiration in the work that they do. So when we're talking of the Vincentian family, before the structure, we see a charism, a charism that went through history and that in the last, I would say, 20, 30 years, we kind of develop more this sense that we are the same, even if we come from different organizations, and if we work together as a Vincentian family. It's a concept that Father Maloney helped us embrace better. Um, we were able to work more efficiently with the poor. Have you found that working as lay people in a movement such as this, the kind of partnerships with people involved religious lives, that there's a fair amount of variation in different traditions about that. What's it What's it like in a Vincentian context to be working with the Daughters of Charity or the, the Vincentian priests and so on? And how is the lay set of gifts and leadership received? Well, 
before I speak of what it is today, I would like to go back to what it was in the beginning and remind that Vincent de Paul, the first organization he set up was the Ladies of Charities. So Vincent first started organizing lay service for the poor before moving on to having the Daughters of Charity and the Vincentian priests as, as congregations. So Vincent, at the time, as a prophetic uh, a prophet, kind of saw the potential of the lay, the capacity of women, and how they could work with others in making um, the service of the poor a very um, real um, expression of the kingdom of God. I've been lucky because I'm a woman, I'm a lay, and I've been... I've experienced community life as a layperson. I'm married now as a layperson. But I think um, in the Vincentian family, there's, there are many congregations. There are less lay associations. But my experience in the last 20 years has been really um, the possibility of the lay people to find their space within the Vincentian family as partners of the religious, as partners of the consecrated people, not as replacement, but really as truly people who bring a different gift to what the Vincentian charism is. And I think lay people and religious and consecrated people, they are complementary in their different way of expressing the gift of the mission. And it would certainly certainly seem that you would need that level of complementarity as well as diversity in dealing with something as as daunting as homelessness. That's amazing. That's enough of a of a mountain to climb to scare even the most the most brave of, of, of souls. Definitely. Um, homelessness is a huge challenge to this to society, to the world and to the Vincentian family. Um, they speak nowadays of 1.6 billion people being in some sort of homelessness. That's a huge um, space for work. Um, and definitely having different people with different sensitivities, with different way of seeing things, helps understand and grasp better the work that needs to be done around the issue of homelessness. One of the things that seems to be an increasingly shared understanding is that homelessness itself is a complex phenomenon that needs specificity in terms of being able to analyze, even collect basic information. The work that you're doing through the Homeless Alliance, um, how do you and your colleagues understand what homelessness means? Are there are there some shared categories or, or, or understandings that guide your work? Certainly. Um, we are lucky to as a Family Homeless Alliance, we are lucky to come into a context where there's a framework already established. And this framework was established by the Institute of Global Homelessness, which is a Vincentian partnership within the Paul University. So they worked, their, the first part of their work was to try to define what homelessness is about. And, this, and they did some research with scholars, but also practitioners. And the definition they came up with um, tries to, to understand homelessness in a very broad way, including street homelessness, including refugees and internally displaced people, and also including people who are living in substantial um, housing, so people who are living in slums and favelas. So those three categories constitute what we speak of at, when we speak of homelessness in general. And this is what the Family Homeless Alliance is working on with the Vincentian partners. So given those categories, 
to speak about homelessness is to have a very different set of ideas about causes, consequences, and remedies based on which of those expressions that you and your partners are encountering at any given time and place. Yes, um, but also lots of connections because oftentimes the refugee arrives in a new country and becomes homeless because he doesn't find the structure and the support that he needs to establish himself in a new country and because the, the, the shift from street homelessness to slum dwelling is quite difficult to, to understand sometimes. So those, are, those categories are not strict definitions. They just serve as a framework that help us understand the different connections between those realities. But we definitely understand that one reality is not separated from another and there are connections from one to the other. And your, your use of the term slum dwellings is a fairly specific notion of informal settlements, um, land that has been occupied and built up upon without the sort of infrastructural support of municipal governments in the form of electricity, sanitation, water, and so on. And these can be quite large in many urban areas around the Definitely, world. Definitely, yes. A place like uh, Kibera in Nairobi, in for Nairobi, example. In Nairobi, one example. Approximately or, one million people in a one square mile area. Exactly. So th those are those are different than what some kind of casual usage of the term slum in, in implies. This is a very this is a very specific notion of both legal vulnerability, right, mm -hmm. as well as the actual living conditions. The themselves. living condition, exactly. Can you tell me about how the alliance? feature of the work unfolds for you, the kind of sharing across borders and countries, the different Vincentian projects and leaders? So the, the Famine Homeless Alliance came about with the 400th anniversary of the charism in 2017. And the idea is that if we were to celebrate um, the charism, there's no way we could do that without celebrating with the poor. And the only way we celebrate with the poor is by transforming lives. So the Family Homeless Alliance is seriously looking at how we can, at different goals among them, how we can transform lives of different of people around the world, how we can bring the different Vincentian partners and members and organizations together so that in specific location, locally or globally, they can work better together. It looks into how we can help create awareness on different issues related to homelessness, the refugee crisis, many of them who are forgotten, the scale of street homelessness around the world. So the Family Homeless Alliance is also trying to build, to dig into our Vincentian tradition and show how the work that we're trying to implement right now is not an invention, but is really rooted in what St. Vincent did at the beginning with the founding children, with the people victims of war in Lorraine, with the small schools, Le Petit Ecole that he created with um, Louisa Mariac, with how he supported families so that they could have a living on their own and sustain themselves. So the Vincentian the Family Homeless Alliance is inspired by this tradition, but trying to express it in a way that corresponds to the needs and to the global world in which we are. So we are looking at global solutions, and we have different actions we do in that sense, but we're also looking at how the local Vincentian family, where they are, where the mini branches that can come to work together, how can, they can do this better. Can you speak a bit about some of those local interventions or some of those local examples of 
projects that are being undertaken, what they look like, what kinds of, of features they present. Um, sure. Um, I would mention two specifically. We have within the Family Homeless Alliance a program called the Ambassadors Program. So we've chosen 40, 14 Vincentian volunteers who are back, uh, we trained and back in their country, they're working with the local Vincentian family, creating awareness and trying to get projects off the ground, trying uh, helping us also to get a better sense of what is there and what can be done. Another project that we have that is also local but looking globally is that we have a mapping project. So we're trying to create a map with the help of Niagara University to get a sense of where the Vincentian family is present in the area of homelessness. Because we are pretty sure that the Vincentian family is one of the biggest providers of services to homeless people, but we have no data to support that. And we need this data for different reasons, to make our services more available, to facilitate networking, but also to have a stronger voice when we speak as people who know the reality of homelessness. So this is another example of how we're gathering information from the local. And the third one is um, something I would like to elaborate a bit more on, which is the 13 Houses campaign. At his time, when the king, Louis, gave Vincent money for the mission, Vincent said, well, we're going to do two things at the same time. I'm going to have the mission, but I also need to address the reality of the abandoned kids. So he built 13 houses for the kids, and the money from the rent of those houses that was paid by the ladies of charities, he used this money to have um, the work of the mission done. In that sense, we are encouraging a campaign, which is called the 13 Houses Campaign, where in a period of three to five years, we want to help 10,000 people get out of homelessness in different ways. The 13 Houses stands as a metaphor, but what the services or what kind of support we give the homeless to get them out of the way of homelessness will depend on the different realities. So it's a global project, but the solutions have to be local, and we leave it to each Vincentian family in each country to determine what's the priority, what's the need, and how they're going to answer it. That's a very ambitious project. It is, but we're getting there. I mean, we launched the 13 Houses campaign in November 2018, so now we're one year into the campaign, and we already have 37 projects around the world going on. We just calculated that probably we're already helping 4,000 4, people. So it's doable. It's very impressive. Because we're focusing on what the Vincentian family can do locally. It's not a, a structure saying you have to do that. It's a structure inspiring a work that is being done on the ground. And the aim is to is for permanent satisfaction rather than sort of a temporary yes, kind of a the sheltering option, which can run up numbers more quickly, but tends to be more transient in its benefit. Yes, um, the 13 Houses campaign focuses on local solutions, a global collaboration, Systemic change approach, which means a long-term approach. It's not just about answering a quick need, but it's really helping a person, a family, a community journey out of poverty. So one of the most um, satisfying examples is uh, a project in Mexico that was done in Huayapan, which is a place where earthquake happened in 2017. And the Vincentian family had already mobilized to help families who lost their home. So they joined the 13 Houses campaign and the branches, together with some financial help from the international, managed to provide a new home to those families. But it was not only about building those homes, it was about 
building the community, building relationship, it was also about journeying with those people and creating a personal relationship because this also is part of the Vincentian charism. Even when we speak about big project, but we first see the, the people who are experiencing difficulties, and in this case, homelessness. That would seem to be a qualitative difference from sort of the NGO parachuting in kind of an approach that, you know, doesn't become part of the day-to-day -day reality of people's lives and doesn't stay and doesn't put down roots, such that much of what gets attention really is not the best use of time and attention. This seems, this seems to have an entirely different feel to it. Yes, um, we have a number of experiences around the world I would like to name, especially Madagascar, the work of Father Opeka in the slums of Madagascar. And Father Opeka, when he tells the story, he always insists on the fact that he arrived in the dump site, he saw those families in this situation, and he thought, this cannot be, we need to do something. But he always mentioned that it took him a few months and hours and hours of conversation with the people before they discover together that there might be a solution in exploiting uh, the mountains nearby. So um, the, the approach of the Vincentian family is, first of all, personal. It's not about a number. It's not about a reality. It's about lives and people. A second element is that we, as much as possible, and we've discovered in this more in the last year with systemic change approach, it's not about knowing the solution. It's about discovering with the people the solution. Because when you discover and f decide what the solution is with the people, then even when the organization, the institution, the community moves out, the, commun the local people, they take responsibility of what was happening. So it's not, it's not the, at all the same approach. And then um, the third element is, is this sense that, bottom line, as a Vincentian family, we journey with the poor. St. Vincent used to say, they take us to God, they show us God. So it's not about you being a specialist that comes and do, it's about a journey of conversion where the poor is transformed and you are transformed by your relationship with the poor. And in this process, you journey towards a better life, towards building the kingdom of God today. Can you talk a bit about the ways in which the, the work of the Vincentian family on matters of homelessness brings together what in some parts of Catholic social thought are treated separately, ideas about works of mercy or direct, direct care and assistance and more, you know, more institutional or more structural natures of ideas about justice and so on. I mean, it seems that this notion of being rooted in communities and tying the provision of, of tangible, practical benefits to some recognition that these are, in fact, long-term issues that have causes and consequences kind of bridges that gap some ways. Yes, the way the Family Homeless Alliance bridged that gap is working also globally. So there's a number of things we do globally. One of them is our collaboration with the Working Group to End Homelessness and the Institute for Global Homelessness. So we are conscious that we need to give solution on the ground, but we're also conscious that there are systems that create those, those issues of homelessness. So our work at the UN through the working group and through IGH is about creating awareness of the, the scale of the issue and proposing together solutions of how this can be addressed in a more systematic way.
Some scholars see things like homelessness not as just unfortunate byproducts of processes or decisions or natural disasters and so on, but rather in at least some circumstances as predictable consequences of how, how the rules of the game are written in politics, economics, and so on, both within nations and across nations. The kind of work that you pursue, on the one hand, seems laudable and who who could be opposed to wanting to deal with homelessness? But in fact, there's a there's an aspect of this that is really fairly fairly challenging to kind of existing notions of power. I mean, you're talking about homelessness and real estate interests, questions about development, questions about political elites and and ideas about who counts and where they should be and elites who want to be insulated from the consequences of, of everyday everyday life. My sense is that there's a, a fairly subversive edge to a lot of this stuff, even if it's not experienced that way on a regular basis. How does it seem to you? Yes, um, I like to think of homelessness as something our society has created. And because our society created it, our societies can also create a world without homelessness. And really, on the long term, the vision of the fam Vincentian family and the Family and Homeless Alliance is that we can have a world without homelessness. Is it going to happen at a time we'll see it? We don't know. Is it going to ever happen? We don't know. What we know is that right now we can put the basis to transform lives of specific people who are experiencing homelessness, and then we can work to try to create a new ground for the states and the power and the people in power to understand the issue differently. I like to refer to, one of my colleagues like to refer to a text of Romero saying, you know, the kingdom is not ours. We're part of it. We do our part. And there's a point we get where we, we meet our limits. But what we've journeyed, I believe strongly, God takes it and multiplies it in ways that you never imagine. For instance, um, in, in our specific case of the 13 Houses campaign, we envisioned it at first as something for the Vincentian family. And the Greek Orthodox Church in America heard of it and wants to be involved. So they already joined the working group to end homelessness. So there's what the Vincentian family wants to do. What, there's what the Vincentian family can, can inspire others to do. And I think in between of all this, the Holy Spirit will do a work that can truly change individuals, but also systems. That the idea of homelessness is a construct that it doesn't have to be itself is a source of hope. I mean, it's, 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 it's very different than sort of a, an unspoken assumption that problems like homelessness are an act of God, and they've always been like this. In fact, most people in most of history have not engaged or experienced the problem in the way that we do today. That itself is a grounds for optimism, at least in some measure of hope rather than optimism. Surely. And I think there's also a, a big piece of um, perception around it. So when we think of refugees today, we think of African trying to get to Europe. We think of South America trying to reach the U.S. This is what we see as homelessness, and we see it as something negative, right? But when you think of refugees, Years ago, when you had the Irish migration toward the U.S. or European going to Africa, it didn't end up that bad. I mean, they managed to create a new life for themselves, to create new societies, 
to to prosper, to be to live decently and uh, in a very dignified way. So there's a, a a lot of the way you look at the person or the group and how you tag this person or this group. So, so like we can see them as different from us, or we can recognize that we ourselves have been refugees. We ourselves, in some way, we are homeless because we are out of our home inside of us or within our family or within our reality. So homelessness, as long as we see it as the problem of others, yes, we can see it with no solution and as a burden. But when we see it as a reality of a brother, of a sister, then our perspective is completely different. And if we take this seriously, then we do everything we can so that person doesn't find herself in that situation. How does one push back against the kinds of categories and the kinds of imagery put forward that seems to dominate through the news media, through the outlets that reach, that reach people that give the impression that Displaced persons are primarily a problem afflicting the Europeans and the North Americans, when in fact the overwhelming majority of people who are refugees are being sheltered and cared for by people in very poor countries. They're going from one African nation to another, that's one part of Asia to another. But if one only had the mediated pictures of things to go by, you'd have a very different sense of who's bearing burdens and who's absorbing costs and who's caring for their for their neighbors. Yes. <laughs> right when I was coming here a few days ago, I was watching a video of a lady, I don't remember her name, but from Sierra Leone. And she was saying, actually, if you think of it, Europe and the rich countries, they are poor because what they have is a paper money. Sierra Leone is the real one who has the gold, the diamond, and many other natural resources. And this could be true in looking at the reality of homelessness. We, we often see the material um, despair of those people coming with nothing, fleeing war, fleeing disasters, coming to our countries. Um, we don't look at the other side. Oftentimes, those people do uh, make very valuable contribution to our societies and to our economy and to our health system and to our education system. Um, so I think this is the shift that needs to be done. And part of doing this shift is recognizing the person in the homeless, in the refugee, in the internally displaced person. And that's why for the Family and Homeless Alliance, we insist a lot and in different ways, we try to collect stories. Stories of experience of intentions of how they've been transformed through their encounter with the poor, with the homeless, and stories also of homeless people talking for themselves in a very different way than what we understand. So last week in, the la in his talk, Memo was saying, you know, it's not about talking for the voiceless. It's about allowing the voiceless to speak for themselves. Memo so that's Father, Father, Father Memo Campusano, who spoke about the, the work at the UN. He represents the Vincentian community at, at the, the United UN. Nations. Exactly, right. and he's the one coordinating the working group to end homelessness. So it's really about how you want to see the, the other person. Do you want to see him as another, very different, and from whom, whom I have to be scared, afraid, suspicious of? Or do I see this other one that, as a person in which situation I could have been if my circumstances were different. We could have been on the other side of the spectrum. I'm guessing it would take a, a special sort of spiritual formation 
and sustenance to be able to work on problems like homelessness, which, as you say, by their magnitude, can seem over overwhelming at times. Um, how do you sustain your own commitment and your own your own hope? Um, how do members of the Vincentian family help to support one another's vocation or sense of discipleship? I think I think um, there's a strong sense of mission and a sense of we're doing this not by choice. It's we're doing this as a result of a call. And as long as we keep uh, nurturing the relation, our relationship to God and our relationship with the poor, then we, along the way, we discover new insights that keep us going at tough times. It's not always easy. Even working as a family is not always easy. Um, it's a journey of joys and suffering. But when we keep sight of why we're here, who put us here, and why we're doing all that we're doing from a faith perspective, but also as a human being, then we, we find the strength and the energy to keep going. And then for me, and for many other Vincentian, it's particularly important to go back again and again to what Vincentian do, and today to ask us ourselves in our own world right now what must be done, and to give a concrete answer to that. To have been called together with this notion of a vocation, it seems that sustaining one another is a pretty good definition of what church at its best ought be. Certainly. I mean, this is not the work of one person. It's not the work of one organization. It's the mission of the church carried out in a specific way within the Vincentian charism. It's the same call that Pope Francis does to the entire church, to be a church that is out there in the street walking with the poor. And that's what we express within our Vincentian charism. But it's a, that one mission that we received. Speaking of being in the streets, there's a lot of people in the streets and in your home these days, a lot of lot of people taking frustrations about various scandals and questions about political corruption and dissatisfaction. For people that are interested, what what's your sense of things? My sense of thing is that we are at a point in Haiti where we're targeting one person, and so we're targeting the president as the one who did all this, while we're looking at more the realities, a system that has been entertaining corruption, maintaining social division, and this is expressing itself way more and more. So it's not about one person leaving the country. Personally, I don't have a clear opinion of if he should leave or not. What I know is that if he leaves, what will come next is not necessarily better. There's not a clear sense of a better leadership showing up. And the second thing is that um, he's only one aspect of the issue, but it's really a more profound issue of our constitution not being appropriate for the society we are, and our society being too divided between those who have or those who have not, between the rich and the poor, between those who are educated and those who are not. And um, especially, I have a strong sensitivity to the fact that many schools have not opened their doors since September. So we're taking off the opportunity for the next generation to understand better this what's happening and to change it in the future. This is, this is my ex understanding of the situation. Um, it's a society issue. It's not only a political issue, it's a society issue. We cannot continue to exist as a society with so many injustices with so much injustice and so many disparities and privilege. And it seems like the activity in Haiti these days is 
perhaps a hopeful sign. There's comparable you know, instances around the world these days of people whose dissatisfaction with not simply this ruler or that ruler, but more with the institutional structures that make who's in charge a secondary kind of a concern. The, yes, the outcomes I, don't change too much if the prime minister is ousted or the president is removed. Exactly. I think it's a sign of hope because it, there's a sign of uh, commitment of the citizens to desire to their desire to have something different. So I think in that sense is uh, uh, something positive. I think it's also positive in the sense that it's telling our society how dysfunctional we are and how we have to create ourselves anew. And I hope that as a country, as a nation, um, we will be able to redefine ourselves and create the new structures that will allow us to move toward a better life. So what else should people know about the work you're doing? What's on the horizon for you and for the lave incentions that you're working with around the world? The Famine Homeless Alliance is in some way an experiment. What I'm trying to say by that, it's one of those occasions where the Vincentian family wants to come together and make an impact, and that's one specific area. And I think there's other areas like health, education, and other social services that the Vincentian family provides around the world. And I think where it might take us is in the sense that we can work better and be more have a better impact if we work together in those different fields, um, but also a recognition that the strength of the Vincentian family relies in the people. And in, among those people, you have more lay people than consecrated people. So how do we, does this whole tra uh, challenge about transmitting the charism to the lady and being able to express this charism in a way that, that it can go into a new century and that after us, others can say we're still serving the poor or they don't exist anymore. For people wanting more information, how do they contact? They can contact us at homeless at famvin.org, homeless at famvin.org. This is um, one of our emails where if they need more information about one of our specific projects, I didn't have a chance to talk of all of them, but they can reach out to us. There's many ways a Vincentian or a non-Vincentian can get engaged with the work that the Family Homeless Alliance is doing. Sounds like a fascinating and potentially really important set of experiments going on, you and your friends. Yes, I think it will transform lives and touch lives of the poor, and that's the most important. Yasmin, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Near and Far is produced by the Center for World Catholicism and Intercultural Theology, a research institute focused on Catholicism around the world with special attention to the church in the so-called Global South. The center is sponsored by DePaul University, a Catholic university in the Vincentian tradition in Chicago. Production assistance for Near and Far comes from Greg Barker, Anna Gallen, Francis Salinal, and Karen Kraft. For more information on the center and its activities, Look for the Center for World Catholicism on the web, Facebook, or Twitter.